This is Battery Life, presented by First Ohio Battery. Hello and welcome to another episode of Battery Life. I'm Sam Blazer and a little later on, Rob's going to be joining me for an interview with Sportsnet's Chris Johnston. Uh, Chris Pennington of First Ohio Battery is going to be joining us. And of course, we'll have Morrison's Minutes with Kyle Morrison in just a little bit after that. But right now, we're going to take you straight to our interview with Sportsnet's Chris Johnston. Hey guys, it's Rob. Just a reminder that you can get First Ohio Battery gear at the 11 Warriors Dry Goods Store. Just visit drygoods.11warriors.com and click on the First Ohio Battery selection. We are here on Battery Life with a special guest. This week joining us is Sportsnet Hockey Insider, Chris Johnston. Hello, Chris. Good day, good day. Good to be with you guys. <laughs> How are you? I'm a little frozen up here in uh, Toronto. The weather, even by Canadian or Toronto standards, is, is pushing uh, the limits of, of what humans are capable of. So I'm just trying to stay warm and keep my head down. Good for you. Uh, it's cold here too, so we don't feel that bad for you. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm glad we can share in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, so we have you here to talk about the Blue Jackets, who are in the news a little bit um, around the NHL. Um, so, going to start you off by asking, kind of what the national vibe is around the club right now. Um, they've lost three straight for the first time all year. There's a lot of stuff going around about a couple of players in particular. Um, are the vultures kind of circling the Blue Jackets right now? Well, for sure, the vultures being other teams trying to maybe uh, extricate Artemi Panarin, you know, from their their hands at this time. I mean, it's hard to ignore that storyline, uh, you know. I think nationally, but even for other teams. I mean, going back to the the entry draft in Dallas when uh, you know the first bit of news came out that he wasn't going to speak to the Blue Jackets about an extension. Back then, I mean, this has been sort of bubbling at times, barely beneath the surface, but certainly not very far beneath. And, and then when Dan Milstein, you know, basically cut off any idea of any future negotiations prior to the end of the season, I think that that, that sends a shockwave through the league. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think that there's probably no more compelling team of the 31 in terms of how they approach this deadline, uh, you know, the moves they make, the, the long-term repercussions potentially of decisions whether it's deciding to, to trade one or both of these guys or, or not. Um, you know, I think it's a, a really fascinating dynamic. And, and so, you know, I think the vibe league wide is that they got a, a tough uh, three and a half weeks to navigate here. And, and certainly there's no teams out there feeling bad for them, just as you don't feel bad for me. Right. <laughs> now, <laughs> is this specifically interesting and compelling, do you think, because of the situation the team is in? Like, it's a pretty good team and they're in a good spot. Um, and then you have these two separate situations um, kind of hovering all season long. Like, does that, in your mind, make it especially uh, more interesting to watch what happens here? Yeah, there's like five onion layers for me. I mean, you have the, the, the very large picture, which is an organization that still doesn't ever won a playoff series and, and, you know, has really, I think, built to the point where, you know, I think it's fair to view the Blue Jackets as a team that could go on a run if, if certain things broke their way, if, if health is on their side, if none of this, you know, blows up in their faces. You know, it, it, it's a, an organization that's been doing a lot of things right, I think, the last few years to get to this point. And so at that moment, then, to have two major decisions or, or two major question marks, uh, you know, with key members of the team, I think that, that that's fascinating. And then, you know, probably on a deeper level is, you know, there's still a lot of good players 
with the with the Blue Jackets. If this was another mm-hmm. organization, I think I might be saying, "Well, you know, you're you're not going to sign these guys. You might as well just trade them for what you can and start a rebuild." Well, you know, I don't think the Blue Jackets are an organization that's on the verge of a rebuild when you you look at Wierenski and Jones and and Dubois and and Atkinson the way he's played. I mean, I think that there's there's still a number of good players there, even if you remove Panarin and Bobrovsky. So. You know, I, I struggle actually to think of a recent example of an organization that's faced anything like it. And and so for me, it's all those various kind of pieces that, that I think make it such a compelling decision. And, and it's not really a black and white. This is what they should do. This is what they shouldn't do sort of sort of scenario. Right. Now, the Panarin situation, it's getting a tiny bit clearer. The Bob situation overall, I feel like. Uh, at least his market overall is getting a little bit more interesting just because he's not having the best year, but he is a two-time Vesna winner. Uh, I guess approaching the trade deadline, what kind of market is there for Sergei Bobrovsky right now? And is it as big as it once was? I think it's pretty limited, Sam. You know, the, the, the thing is with goaltenders, if you look historically, they rarely get you the kind of return you'd want, especially how hard it can be to find someone I mean, it's almost impossible for another team to find someone with two, two-time Vesna winner that you know could be available. Um, but the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky struggled, I think, adds some question marks to the scenario. You know, obviously the fact that he has a no-move clause, and you know, I believe he's willing to work with the team to a certain degree to to facilitate a trade if that's the direction the Blue Jackets want to go. But you know, it, it further complicates you know what they can do. And and you know, my goodness, I I, I don't know you know, what his market will be even come July 1st if this continues. I mean, if if, if he doesn't play well for a stretch of games uh, between now and the end of the season or into the playoffs, wherever he plays, you know, I think that the market won't be, you know, what you would have guessed given his accomplishments and, and, and how consistently he's played, you know, generally over the last number of years in the league as a, as a top flight goaltender. So, you know, I, I think that a trade involving him is very, very difficult uh, to, to pull off, at least one that, you're going to look at the return and say, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, to me, you're only trading him if the distraction is such behind the scenes that, you know, it's, it's, he's got to go that, that you're, there's an addition by subtraction there because, you know, for, for all his accomplishments. And, you know, I think that I, I certainly don't think he's done as a, as a very good goaltender in the NHL, you know, he probably is going to need some distance from this season uh, before he's back to where he once was. But, you know, I, I just think that, there's there's not that many contenders out there that need a goaltender like him and are willing to take the risk of, of bringing him into their situation and give up a whole lot to, in order to facilitate that trade. Yeah, Chris, and further to that, um, is this a risk you think, if you're the Blue Jackets, worth taking because of the situation you're in? You're in the thick of a playoff race, and if you make this deal, you're basically, like, if you don't get a, another guy you're giving your playoff hopes and chances to a largely unproven goalie. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a huge risk. I mean, and I think that's where the front office really will have to be honest with itself as it makes its way through these decisions. I mean, do the, are the playoffs still important? Is playoff success still important? You know, if they make these moves uh, or even make one, one move uh, in terms of getting rid of one of these guys, because, you know, it, there is a high probability of it blowing up. And, and yeah. you know, I, I know long-term the Blue Jackets are set up pretty well at the goaltending position. They have some players they like coming, but, you know, there's no one, uh, there's no white knight to, to save them this year if, if Corpus Allo 
can't handle the mail and, and you've, you've traded Sergey Vorovsky away to, to another team. And, and so, you know, the, the one thing I don't have a, a clear sense of not being around them every day is, is how big of a distraction this is. Uh, you know, if his behavior is, if that was a one-off sort of situation that happened in Tampa, if it's behind everybody, you know, if, if that is the case, you know, to me, I think there's a, a pretty strong argument that you might as well hang on to Sergei Bobrovsky yeah. and, you know, if, if nothing else is insurance, you know, and, and, and let's face it, he's probably going to be playing the big games, although I know the playoffs haven't treated him well the last couple of years. That's not a storyline here at all. No, <laughs> uh, no, no. no. Uh, you guys so, aren't short on storylines. There should be a podcast no. every couple of days. Oh my God. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, so my next, you know, what fascinates me about Panarin in particular is that as far as the marketplace goes, there's probably, you know, half the league should be interested like in the player at varying stages of this situation. Why would a GM, uh, a rival GM do the blue jackets a favor um, with a, a, a quote unquote fair deal, a hockey deal or a futures deal that um, is market value when many teams interested could just wait until July 1st. Well, you know, there's a few situations where I think the value of, of this season is, is big enough where it still makes sense. I mean, we have to remember, I think in sports now, we, we've come, become accustomed to looking big picture a lot and, and it's probably healthier than, the way fans used to think, but I mean, the, the, the chance to win a Stanley cup right now is going to be tantalizing enough, at least, you know, for the Boston Bruins say uh, for the Nashville predators, I mean, teams yeah. that have kind of been around it. Uh, you know, I don't know that, that San Jose would have the capital or the, the ability to add an Artemi Panarin, but to me, they're in heavy on everything because they've had about 15 years where, you know, we, we said it, this could be a team if things went their way that, that, that wins a championship and, and there's no, guarantee on how much longer that lasts and so i think the fact that there will be general managers feeling a you know pressure to, to do everything they can to win you know this is a unique situation I mean, we see some good players move at the deadline but i'm not sure we've really seen rentals of artemi panarin's skill level traded uh, right. too often still in the prime of his career and you know there could even be a team or two out there that has a notion they have an ability to sign them uh, even if Artemi isn't going to entertain those discussions right at February 25th or, or beforehand here uh, before a trade's made. But, you know, they, they, there's some team that might feel confident that once he gets to their situation, that, that there's a good chance he'll stay. You know, that was San Jose's approach with Eric Carlson and making the deal uh, before the season for him, even though he's entering the last year of his contract. You know, they felt that, you know, once he got to, to see what they're all about, that they had a, a very good chance to retain his rights. And, you know, I think that there's a few teams where that, that might make sense as well. So, you know, there is, you know, to me, the, the, the biggest issue is will the Blue Jackets accept futures for him? Because well, let's face it, you know, any true contender that that's going to go all in for Artemi Panarin at this point is not going to be trading off the roster at, at this stage. And, and, you know, we could see Columbus then become a bit of a, uh, a seller at first with, with Panarin and then maybe a buyer with some of the assets they get in the trade for him to, and then, you know, trying to replace some of what they've lost. Now, if they do decide on their end that they're going to hold on to Panarin and they are going to hold on to Borowski, that they're going to go for it, how do you think that trade deadline overall for the Blue Jackets is going to go? I know that some fans are kind of seeing it as an opportunity to add an expiring UFA and almost kind of use it as a platform to say, hey, <laughs> you know, 
this you could join us uh, in the uh, in the off season, and then you know almost have him be a Panarin replacement, and then or you could or the, do you think it's more of like a depth add that they may need uh, at the trade deadline? Like, are they going to be hardcore buyers there, or is it something on their end where it's going to be bits and pieces and not necessarily uh, make too much uh, too many waves? Well, I, I think that they're more likely to be hardcore buyers, if only because we have a buyer's market, and you know there's a number of intriguing players that are available, uh, you know, not intriguing just to the Blue Jackets, but, but league-wide. And I don't see a ton of teams really in the market for all these guys. And so I think that there's, uh, you know, almost aside from the, the Panarin-Bobrovsky discussion, I think that there's an opportunity for Columbus to to add, I mean, let's face it, another high-end forward would be nice. You know, someone who could play center would probably help out, even just for longer-term depth. And you know, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me to, to see them keep both those guys and dad. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of another aspect of this. That's interesting is that it's, it's a very fluid situation. I mean, especially because we're now just speaking a couple of days after everything has started to crystallize on the Panarin front and, and, you know, the blue jackets are entering conversations with other teams to see what might be out there for a trade. But, you know, I think a lot of this deadline is going to run through their front office and what they want to do. And, and, you know, I think it'd be very difficult for them to totally stand pat unless the prices are off the charts, just because, you know, I still think they have an opportunity. I mean, the, the Metropolitan Division isn't as strong to my eyes as it's been. Uh, you know, certainly Pittsburgh doesn't look as intimidating as they, they have been. You know, Washington's had a good season and, and is obviously coming off a cup win, but you know, historically it's been very hard for teams to repeat. Usually you run out of gas at some point. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I fully believe in the Islanders at this point, even though they've had a, you know, a great two thirds of the season or whatever we are through right now. And so I think there's still an opportunity there uh, to, to be ambitious and, and um, almost aside from what they decide, I, I think that there's a case to be made uh, to, to try to be adding here, you know, at this deadline period. Yeah. And that leads to uh, our last question for you, Chris is, I mean, you look at the Metro where we are, Today we're almost at the first of February. What, in your eyes, what are the chances that the way it currently sits is the way that it's going to be at the end with the with the Islanders, Penguins, Blue Jackets, uh, one, two, three? It, it just seems, or is it, I think it's Washington too, but um, it, it just doesn't seem like that. Like this race is anywhere close to being settled. No, no, not remotely, and and. You know the Penguins have fallen back too. I mean, there's there's an outside chance they miss the playoffs. I, you know, I have to believe, given the players they have, that they'll get it together down the stretch. But um, you know, it, it just feels more open to me yeah. uh, that division. I mean, obviously, a couple of years ago when uh, those teams were one, two, and four overall in the league, and then they all had to play each other in the first two rounds. I mean, that that was one of the first battle cries for how stupid the divisional playoff system can be at times. But you know, it's the dynamics have shifted a bit. And, you know, even though Columbus is struggling a little bit as we're talking now, I, I think that they, they can imagine, you know, themselves playing strong over the last 30 games and, and making some improvements and, and going on the kind of run that, that that city and the fan base is, you know, I assume starving for, uh, given, given the weight involved here. So, you know, I, I, I do think, well, it's a challenging time. And, and you know, I heard Yarmo say he's disappointed. Uh, you know, with the way things have gone with Panarin, I, I do think there's a lot of opportunity here. I mean, even if we, we zoom out a little further and and, and imagine the offseason, if, if both of them are gone, I mean, there's a huge amount of cap space 
that can be can be used in any number of ways to uh, to, to better the team around that that core that I mentioned earlier. So, you know, I I, I don't think I can understand if you're stuck in this emotionally as a fan would be that this is a probably a harrowing time. I, I actually view it, you know, as a neutral party as more of you know a real opportunity uh, for Columbus to, to to do something with their team that they haven't done before, and that that's you know have some playoff success. Uh, but also, you know, maybe be involved in a different way, you know, whether it be in free agency or at this deadline or, or doing some other moves down the road because, you know, they, they've still got a really good team and I think they've got a lot of room to work with there uh, in terms of their cap situation, big picture. Yeah, that's great. That's I, I kind of feel the same way. I think a lot of us do mm-hmm. here. Uh, so, Chris, thank you so much. That's Thanks. Sportsnet Hockey Insider Chris Johnson. We appreciate your time uh, and we'll talk to you soon, man. It was awesome. I hope I see you down there in the playoffs. I hope so, too. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. All right, we're back. Sam, that was pretty compelling, interesting stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. Not often that you get a Sportsnet insider on the podcast. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, some good insight from Chris uh, there. And thanks again to him for exactly, for, yeah. for joining us. Um, and hopefully it gets warmer in Toronto <laughs> for him. Exactly. You would think Canadians are used to it being cold by mm-hmm. now. But here in America, we Apparently just tweet not. about it. We post memes about it. Exactly. Um, and our schools get canceled. So, um, But yeah, I, I think his insight and um, kind of his, his national level of uh, intel on what the Blue Jackets are thinking and mm-hmm. what they might do is interesting. Um, and also his final point about uh, the position the club is in, not just now going forward, mm-hmm. should these two guys leave? And right now it, it looks and feels like that's going to be the case, whether yeah. it's uh, by the deadline or in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it marries with the opinions of, of some other people in the hockey media and the hockey world too, that, the Blue Jackets, like, there. This might be a tough time. Like, this might be uh, kind of a, a curveball or or a speed bump for them. But they're not mm-hmm. in bad shape. Mm-mm. No, not at all. And that's why, you know, they'll have buckets of cash if they both right. end up walking, which you know is nice as well. And if you have faith in Yarmo Kekalainen, then I think that you should be happy about that, regardless of not getting oh, yeah. a return. You're able to go on the run that you want, and you're able to have that money that he can utilize in one way, shape, or form with a pretty good UFA class that's coming up as well. I think what's interesting, too, is there's this, you know, it's very, it's a peculiar spot because you have a superstar in Panarin who has kind of told the Blue Jackets, it's it's not you, it's me mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then you have Bobrovsky who clearly rankled by the organization's opinion of his postseason performance yeah. and some of the things that have been publicly said about his postseason performance, and maybe he thinks it's time for him to find a new home. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but with Panarin, what in my mind, what is so fascinating to me is that uh, whether he chooses to stay or leave, and let's say he chooses to leave in this scenario, him leaving doesn't necessarily like is it's not this like death blow to to Columbus no. and the Blue Jackets as a destination. Like it's very obvious that 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 top end players. Uh, want to play here. Mm-hmm. They have been able to sign. I mean, can't Cam Atkinson could have made a ton of money yeah. on the open market. Right. But he signed to a team friendly deal with the blue jackets because he believed in the direction of the mm-hmm. organization and he likes to play here. He wasn't going to be restricted. He was going to be UFA yeah. and a UFA payday for a guy who's 28 years old at the time, 29 
mm. and scores 20, 25 goals a year, every year, that's a lot of money yeah. you're looking at. And he gave the Blue Jackets. I mean, I think that that's one of the more underrated uh, signings for an offensive player, mm -hmm. a, a top-end offensive player, which is how we should think about him mm -hmm. now. Um, Seth Jones signs mm -hmm. I mean, he he was RFA, um, you know, a couple years into the league, a couple years being into a, a, a being a full-time player. Yeah. But that deal is also team-friendly. That is an indication that another star, and you could say he is in star status now, wants to play here. So mm -hmm. not like not, not standing for the Blue Jackets here, like we're not mm -hmm. uh, going to bat hard for them. But it, it, it's fact that they have a lot of good high-end players here that want to be here. Mm -hmm. And if one of them doesn't, I don't think that's a big deal. No, and I think that if even if that you know ends up being like the the situation for them if both of them end up walking, I think that they're still in a fine position to recover right. either way. And I feel like you know you can really we're going to really get into the nitty gritty in just a second with Chris Pennington. I think that there's things to worry about in the short term, but I feel like long term the the vision is still there. Yeah. And you still can see what they're trying to accomplish, and I think as long as they continue to adhere to that, and I think with you know, Yarmulkekalina at the helm, there is a definite vision there that you r really can't be too upset about it. And like they're they're gonna they're gonna stick to their guns, and if they want to keep them, they're gonna keep them. If they're gonna trade them, they're gonna trade them. But I think that uh, depending on how they perform, I guess over this next month or so, will really give us uh, an indication of where they're gonna head. Absolutely. Um, so when we come back, um, we will be talking with our own Chris Pennington. Hey guys, it's Rob and Sam. Sam, did you know that Smoked on High is the official barbecue? of First Ohio Battery and <clears throat> the Battery Life Pod? I did not. <laughs> oh, they are now. All right, welcome back, Sam. We are we're in the presence of greatness. This is true. Tonight, uh, our second Chris of the podcast. Sorry, you're... You're the, the second, you're, you're a far lesser Chris. That's okay. Uh, oh, Rob, geez. I've heard it my whole life. I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, it's our own Chris Pennington. Chris, welcome to the pod. Appreciate it. Good yeah, we're so Fantastic glad to have you're here. You. Yeah. We got all kinds of stuff that we want to go over with, with you tonight. Uh, we talked to us about Panarin with Chris Johnston a little bit, but I feel like that's kind of the topic du jour. You have to discuss it. Uh, the one thing that I found interesting, and I'm sure Kyle's going to touch on it a little bit later on here, um, is the fact that Artemi Panarin was uh, had a smattering of booze last night uh, as the puck dropped. Um, obviously, fans are more than welcome to have their opinion, but I guess what uh, what is your take on the situation overall? And uh, I guess we can, we'll just start there and then we can get more in depth. Taboo or not taboo? Yeah, exactly. Taboo or not taboo. Uh, I believe there was people calling for that before the game, though. I mean, Boop. we don't have to get into it, but <laughs> uh, I, I was a, a little conflicted at first when I was thinking about it. I mean, immediately, I think everyone's mind went back to Rick Nash's New York debut where mm -hmm. yes. it was a little split at the start of the game. I remember being there and uh, his name being announced. They did the tribute video in the first period and people eventually got the standing ovation for it. People were welcoming him back and then we know what happened with the Calvert fight, <laughs> the running into Bob, the... Probably a lot of contextual things that we don't know that Bob slashed the stick out mm. of his hand and hit him in the there groin. Was a nut shot too. Yeah, according to no the one talks about cap. that. Um, <laughs> this is some stuff, man. Yeah, some stuff happened, but then obviously the booze rained down from that point, and probably a little deservingly so. And so, hearing it for Panarin last night, it was tough for me because obviously there's still a, a sliver of hope. Yeah, he, he could still 
want to sign here. Mm-hmm. If let's say we don't end up trading him and the mindset is let's go for it this year, then he has to think about, okay, they, <laughs> they booed me the day that I said, I want to think about this a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I was there, I probably would have just kept quiet, um, stayed pretty neutral with it, but, mm-hmm. um, it was, uh, wasn't expecting it to be that much of a reception. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this. Um, I was surprised um, up in the press box to, to hear that. Uh, press box, not a big deal. No, not a big deal Slip that in there. Uh, you know, to hear it in the pregame intros was a, was a big surprise, I thought. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy that, I mean. He it shows that they it, care, I think. Yes. It, it, it's passion, which is fine. But they, like, in my mind, I'm thinking. His stance has not changed for mm-hmm. eight months, just about <laughs> exactly. seven months, mm. eight months. Why is it? Oh, like, why are we booing him now? He's mm-hmm. been cheered all year long. Mm-hmm. I mean, contributed. Contri- I mean, he's been a hell of a player yeah. all year long. Um, but I, I will say this, that those boos led a futile existence. Um, yeah. It lasted for about five Five minutes, maybe mm-hmm. three shifts or three touches of the puck, and then it was over. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, Chris. So, you know, it looks, and we've talked about this a, f- a few times now, but it, it certainly feels like the end is near, one way or another, sure. for Artemi Panarin in Columbus. How do you look? I mean, I, I'm I'm curious to, because Sam and I talk every week on this show, and we bring in Kyle. Um, to get his opinion too. So I I'd like to get another take on this is how do you look at this guy's time in Columbus? He's been a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been their best player on many nights. And, and for the majority of his time here, how do you look back on these two years? He's out here. I mean, I think the reality is it's been a win. Like when we brought yeah. him in in the first place, it's, I mean, if it's almost a straight up deal for Brandon sod, I would take that in hindsight, 10 times out of 10. I think the blue jackets would too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they do it over again. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was excited even, I mean, thinking about years ago when we got sod in the first place was excited about that, but then obviously just trusting the process of Yarmo of building us up to a guy like Panarin where, um, he's clearly the guy, he's the game changer that the team has needed since a guy like Nash left that we've had a bunch of great role players who, uh, have, I mean, the jackets were known for the longest time as a depth team. Like we had mm-hmm. four lines deep. We had three defensive pairs that could show up, but obviously we didn't have the guy at the end of the game in a two, two game who could just go get a goal. And so having Panarin is, I mean, in my opinion, the best guy that's ever put on a blue jacket sweater to play consistently more than a week like Jeff Carter did. But, uh, I don't Pour know one out for Jeff Carter, right? <laughs> Actually don't do that. Uh, no, not at all. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, I think it is disappointing in a sense though, that, uh, I know we were, we were talking a bit earlier about how, um, it, it does seem like once Columbus has these players under their belt, that seems like they're able to retain them. Uh, a good amount of the time like it's not like a lot of players are just looking to ditch town as soon as they as they get here but I think something to be concerned about is the drawing of the free agents in the first place because I'm thinking back and it's like was Nathan Horton the best free agent we got before like I don't, I don't know he might be the best free agent at pickup we've ever gotten um and it was that, definitely a cornerstone moment I think when it happened I remember was. being very excited yeah I think you could even lump I mean Adam Foote at mm. the time was a major coup for Doug McLean. Mm. That, mm-hmm. that was a big one. Even further back than that, um, Scott Lachance, 
2004. That mm-hmm. was a big one. But yeah, I mean the the list of marquee free agents to to be signed here is small, and they I, I think back to almost 10, 11 years ago now when they fortunately missed out on Wade Redden. Uh, mm-hmm. They were deep in that game. Uh, they were somewhat interested in Brian Campbell back in that day too. And sometimes, and, it, and I, I talk to people a lot about this, it, is that sometimes those big deals and a lot of times those big deals turn out the exact opposite of what you want them mm-hmm. to be. I mean, think of Nathan Horton as an mm-hmm. example, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, I, that's a good point you bring up that like it's hard to get players here sometimes, but a lot of times on the other side of that coin, if you look at uh, Panarin, you know, if he wants to go to free agency, if he wants to hit the jackpot, there's really nothing you can do to change a player's yeah. mind when that is right, when that is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Well, I guess I got this uh, question for you, Chris. You know, you wake up in the morning, you shave your head, you put on your pants, you head down to Nationwide Boulevard. You're now the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do with Artemi Panarin? Do you keep him or do you do you trade him or at the trade deadline? I feel like that that's the two options. Uh, we had a nice article from uh, Dan Ducart who was talking about, you know, the time is now to trade Artemi Panarin. I'm of the mind that you still keep him. That's how I felt at the beginning of the year. I don't think that's going to change now at this point. I mean, where are you? Where do you sit on that? Well, first of all, that scenario is one that I think of every morning. Of <laughs> shaving, <laughs> shaving my head, shaving your head, putting you know, on your pants one leg at a time. Yeah, yeah. sitting in a bathtub, <laughs> just shaved head and. Uh, <laughs> That's a Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> reference for anyone that anyone that had happened to catch. It's a really that. good reference. Uh, it, this is something I've been, I mean, torn about since the news of uh, again what Rob said that he the, his opinion hasn't changed. He hasn't said anything new to us of uh, his leniency one way or another. But uh, the whole year, I have I've been under the mindset that the Jackets may never draw on a free agent like this again. Like at least in the meantime, like why not just go for it now? Um, I think circumstances have changed a little bit. Um, obviously just, uh, the present situation that we're in, uh, that we could get, it seems like a decent return for him, but, um, I don't know. I, in this exact minute that could change tomorrow morning, I think I would want to keep him. Um, I know that if we, worst case scenario, we lose Bob and Panera at the end of the end of the year, then we have a lot of money to be able to use at that point. Absolutely. Um, and so I think being able to hold on to him, um, and just seeing what happens. I mean, the reality is, like I said before, the jackets have never had a player like this. And I mean, honestly, like you see the difference that he made, um, like in the playoffs, like I, I mean, I hate to say like what could have happened if we were matched up with someone that wasn't Washington, but mm-hmm. we were up to nothing on the team that eventually won the Stanley cup. And Panarin was a huge part of that. And we had 107 points, 104 points the year before we didn't have Panarin. I mean, it was the best year we've ever had and it wasn't even with him. Um, so I think losing him wouldn't be, the most catastrophic thing in the world without a return. Cause I think that's everyone's mindset is there's no way we can lose these guys without a return. But I mean, at the end of the day, if we're going to get a lot of potential cash for that, and then maybe win a playoff series this year and build up some confidence for the next year where we have Elvis coming in, I don't know. I, I'd be okay with just going for it. And I'm not saying we're a team that's in a position to make a Stanley cup run, but at least get a, a first round or something. I think Sam, I don't know how you feel about this, but mm-hmm. my 
feeling on this seems to change quite a lot. Um, I'm of the belief on one hand that when it's really hard to get transformative players. Uh, granted, this player did not choose the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. And should that player want to exercise his right to choose, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, but so I think if I'm the Blue Jackets, knowing all those things, um, I'd like him to be transformative for my team for as long as he possibly can mm-hmm. be. Knowing what's at stake for the organization to be able to make a run, possibly make a run, um, and do something that they haven't done before. The odds of them doing that are, are are far greater with him here than with him gone. And on the other hand, it's it's what kind of revisionist history are we going to be talking about in July and August when the Blue Jackets were knocked out in the first round by the Penguins for the third time in the mm-hmm. last five or six years, uh, and they got nothing for Artemi Panarin, mm. and they got nothing for Sergei Bobrovsky. And there are these marquee players, their names floating out there in, in, mm-hmm. in trade talks. And the Blue Jackets could have had a couple extra bullets in the chamber if they made these deals. Yeah. And they don't. Mm. It, it's tough. And I think games like we saw last night against the Buffalo Sabres, where, you know, they're on the cusp, they're on the bubble, the Sabres are, and the Blue Jackets just really came out flat. It's to be expected with the All-Star break being the way that it is. You know, maybe a couple guys had too many margaritas in Cancun, you know, let them live. But Couldn't it, be us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, it's tough to watch a game like that and have confidence in the Blue Jackets. It's Because yeah. it, 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 you're like, okay, they, they can score at will. They like when they get down to it, but then when they want to play defense, it feels like, you know, it goes down by the wayside. I mean, where do you, uh, who, who is the team? What's the identity? And is it really going to matter one way or the other losing, keeping Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky there? Do you think John Tortorella sits down at his desk before he goes to bed at night and just writes out, who are we? Like a hundred <laughs> times on a notepad before he closes it and goes to bed. Like God, I, f- I, I feel for the guy, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, he, he goes uh, through through a stretch where even when they're not playing great, they still find a way to win. Mm-hmm. You know, his his uh, FAW, mm-hmm. um, and then you go through a stretch where uh, you just look n- hopeless. Yeah, well, sloppy, disjointed, terrible, and in many facets, not not just. Defensively, I mean, I thought last night or what would be Tuesday's game against Buffalo, like, but Sergey Bobrovsky gave up five goals mm-hmm. and was really good in the game. Yeah. Like, you know, and it, it, it's, yeah. The, the the stats on that, I was, uh, was Jeremy Crow, who I used to uh, write with over at Buckeye State Hockey, posted the expected goals from that game were almost seven goals. That's, inc- that's, inc- that's ridiculous. Is, so he was, <laughs> like, actually much better than people, I think it was 6.7 was the expected goals. That's there. crazy. So it was unbelievable, like, how many shots they were getting just in the slot. And the Blue Jackets were just playing lackadaisically. Just Saved almost two goals. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not and in like in the context that it was, it's just unbelievable. Well, mm. we we posed this cri- uh, question to Chris Johnston. I'm going to pose it now to you, uh, Chris Pennington. Um, Ooh. <laughs> is uh, the deadline? You're uh, obviously we know that you're in the buyer's position. Who's the who's the player you're targeting? Who are you wanting to bring in? Do you think that they should get in an heir apparent, or do you think that it's something on their end that they just need to kind of find the tiny holes that they need to fill in? I think you you look at a lot of championship teams over the past few years, and it's not like they've been insane with the depth that they've had. I think of yeah. that the pit, the Penguins sold everything except the kitchen sink to get Kessel on their team, and 
it was essentially just Kessel, Malkin, Crosby, um, and Hornquist maybe, and obviously Gensel. I mean, you could go off the stars, mm-hmm. but just at the bottom of the pack, it's like they really didn't have anyone. Um, and so showing that bench a lot, right. very top heavy team. Yeah, right. And you look at what the you look at what depth has brought the Blue Jackets in the past. I mean, you look at 2014 to 2017 as the golden years of how deep we were, like the Derek McKenzie fourth mm-hmm. lines, and you love that stuff on paper, but then. In the game, it doesn't impact your postseason um, like prowess at all. And obviously, mm-hmm. we still look back at this past year, and we didn't. We're getting more of the star power, less the depth, and we still lost in six games in the first round. But I would be going. I would be going for someone more near top end than rather mm-hmm. than trying to fill the holes in the boat. You know. Yeah, the Duchesnes, the the mm-hmm. Stones of the world. Yeah, I think the the blueprint is the team that knocked them out last yeah. year. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the Capitals, twelve quality forwards mm-hmm. you know maybe 13 you know you m- might be able to go a guy or two deep on that bench mm-hmm. i mean there aren't there they don't hide from any matchups and i think that's what that's really one of their strengths is that they have four lines that that uh, don't have to be concerned about getting through a shift or, or taking on water like that team plays the same way regardless of who's on the ice yeah without a doubt definitely now chris a if they looking towards the playoffs, I guess overall, where who do you think the ideal matchup is for the Blue Jackets right now? If they were to face them now, uh, do you think? I mean, obviously the Islanders are pretty weak. You, I mean, you know, you look on paper they look weak. As of right now, they're leading the division sure. so, weakly in first place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you have uh, obviously the Capitals and Penguins are who they are. And then you take a look at the Atlantic Division, and they're pretty darn strong as well. Those wild card. And uh, those borderline wild card, wild card teams. So, I guess who who's the ideal matchup for you before we let you go here uh, that you'd like to see them take on uh, take them on the playoffs? Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about ideal matchups for the Blue Jackets because we tried that last year. We right. lost games on purpose <laughs> in order to not face the wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, and that didn't that still didn't do us uh, very well. Um, I feel like there's, in terms of an ideal matchup, um, off the top of my head, I'm not able to think of someone that we I would ideally like to go against. But I'm, uh, if I'm thinking in terms of what would propel us to be able to make any sort of run, let's say we keep Bob and Panarin, what's gonna, what is a win off the first round that's gonna push us to the next? And I, I would hate to just already be tying the news for myself. But if it's the Penguins, like, and that's a team that, if we That'd be slaying the Giants. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I I say bring them on. You know, if Mm. I'm the Blue Jays, screw it. Bring them on, man. Mm. I mean, you got to get over this thing eventually, right? Yeah. And I I don't know. I feel like this is is seemingly the best star power that they've had in their club's history. And if you're looking for any sort of confidence booster, if you're looking to draw in free agents, you got to be willing to match up with these guys. And Mm. not that they would on purpose ever want to face the Penguins, but I don't know. I feel like... If there is any chance to take them down in the first round, give them confidence for the next, and then have other people start looking this way, like, okay, Columbus did some damage against a top dog rather than maybe squeaking by like a Montreal or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I feel like at this point, let's just push our chips in and go. Again, tomorrow morning I might think of something different than that. But What are your feelings, Rob? I mean, I, I kind of feel like if you face an Islanders like in that situation, you know, it gives you a series to get some confidence underneath you, especially if you're keeping Bobrovsky. I feel like 
Okay, you have a series under your belt. You performed well. You're able to go through. Then like that mental hurdle isn't there. I feel like that wouldn't that wouldn't be too bad of a, a series starter. But I think by the same token, if you do that against the Penguins, that's truly a mental hurdle that you've overcome. I keep coming back to, you know, thinking ahead a little bit is if they can get by the Penguins, if they can get over that and, and get by them, mm-hmm. knowing what's waiting for them in the second round, it's probably one of those Atlantic teams, which is, you know, you know that's a nightmarish kind of a division right now. Um, maybe another team from the Metro, depending upon how the bracket shakes out. But, man, like, if they can get by the Penguins, how, what bigger boost of confidence could you ask for going into a second round series with one of those big dogs from, from the Atlantic or um, maybe even somebody else from your own division, to, you mm. know, we'll see how the wild card shakes out. But like, I feel like that is the kind of thing that can truly propel them to a meaningful playoff mm-hmm. run uh, rather than maybe, I, I feel like if they play the Islanders, you know, while that's a quote unquote favorable matchup at least on on paper you know that that's the kind of series you survive uh or you you just kind of get through because of how they play Mm -hmm. and the kind of games you're gonna have to win against them three to two games two to one games left and right you know i don't know how good you feel going into the next round but if you can run and gun with the penguins if you can out outscore them, mm. outchance them, and find a way to, to get better goaltending. Beat them at their own game. Yeah, I mean, that that just sets you up big time going yeah. through the rest of the bracket, you know, seeing how far they could possibly go. So I go back to Pittsburgh. Mm. And imagine the demoralization of losing to an Islanders in the first round. Like, if mm. that's the yeah. I, un, quote-unquote ideal matchup, and then you lose to them, and then you lose Bob and Panera, mm. and it's like, okay, I just – want to crawl in a hole and never watch this yeah, game again. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think a lot of people felt that way last year, though, too, when they mm-hmm. dropped four straight to a team that true. Yeah. ended up doing something pretty pretty important. Something important. Drink, something drinking important. a lot of beers out of a Stanley Cup. Maybe, maybe that's, so. That's, that's okay. pretty important. Well, we have one more, last but not least, very important segment to get to in this week's show. So, Chris, thank you for your time. Exactly. Thanks Appreciate for coming on, buddy. Come on great. again soon. Exactly. Don't be a stranger. I appreciate that invite. Okay. You now know Absolutely. where Kyle lives, and you can just show up anytime you want. Just show up at Kyle's yeah. house. I've been begging for months, and <laughs> he's finally let you in. He accidentally <laughs> sent the message. To all me. right, Chris Pennington. <laughs> thanks again. We'll be back with Morrison's minutes. Thanks, buddy. We are back, and I am joined by none other than Kyle Morrison Hello, for another friends. for another edition of Morrison's Minutes. Uh, his fiance is giving him thumbs down right now. She is not a fan of this segment, apparently. She's not. It means more of my voice, which she already hears too much, and less of that silky smooth Sam Blazer podcast voice. I appreciate the compliment. Thank you so much. Well, <laughs> hey, let's hear uh, take number one from you. Yeah, so I'm just gonna start with the elephant in the room here. Um, Nick Felino's uh, Felino's favorite commercial is the best one that runs during Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> games. I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, he just hams it up in that thing. Are you talking about the one where there's like 10 of him? Yeah, where there's like 10 of him. I mean, he, he should do he should do more commercials. That's my first hot take. I think I think I came like earlier in the season. I said something. In fact, I said, Nick Foligno's a good actor. <laughs> Once they got past like the 90 different versions of, hey, bud, you want to drop the gloves? I think that it just... Exactly. You know, we need, we need, he, he's got some range. Yeah, exactly. We, we should see him in some more uh, local cinema. Right? Yeah, that was like uh, the 
Columbus community, community local theater. TV market uh, equivalent of the Nutty Professor. Exactly. Hamilton. Or, Hamilton's coming here, and what do you know? Uh, Nick Foligno's going to yeah, be participating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's hear take number two. All right. So take number two, and this is one that you guys pretty much discussed ad nauseum already, but... Um, that was intentional, by the way. I know, I know. <laughs> Just steal all my thunder here. Um, and I'm going to be a little bit of the contrarian here. The Blue Jacket should sell. And I don't mean like necessarily sell everyone. A team? Like... No, no, no. McConnell should just close up at the trade deadline. Like, (laughs) so I think that there's opportunity, and I wouldn't necessarily sell low on someone like Bjorkstrand or Wenberg, Mm -hmm. but I I think with Panarin and Bobrovsky, I I think you need to trade both of them at the deadline if you can find good value in a deal. Mm -hmm. You look at the way this team has played this year. I think that they've definitely struggled against some of the elite teams out there. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time they have a measuring stick game, you know, something goes wrong. They don't come out strong. Yeah. Uh, you know, or, or they just kind of get outskilled. Um, and then, you know, Bobrovsky's already had a weird year and struggled, and he has that history of being even worse in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know if he's suddenly going to catch fire there. And, you know, Corpus Allo doesn't have the track record to necessarily do that. Mm-mm. Good or bad. Um, you know, he does have the potential, but, you know, you, you can't really count on that just yet. And then even with, you know, hopefully it turns around now Marty St. Louis in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the picture. But Looked pretty good last night. Yeah, but, you know, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that the power play with this team can have one good game. Yeah. And then go over, you know, for like the next mm-hmm. 20 opportunities. Um you know, and there's not any depth scoring either. That was the thing I, I mentioned in our recent roundtable as far as like my biggest concern with the Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. That's a fixable issue, but in order to fix that here at the trade deadline, you'd be paying with future assets. Yeah. And then you would be losing even more or the potential to generate more future assets by letting Panarin and Bobrovsky walk at the end of the season for mm-hmm. nothing. So in the short term, you could sell both of those guys and then kind of fill some of those holes a little bit with rentals, like what Thomas Vanek mm-hmm. was last year. Um, or, or you could even go for like a big fish rental mm-hmm. and, and just pay less of a price than what you're getting for a guy like Panarin, mm-hmm. um, you know, or someone with term even, and you could still make the playoffs. And then, you know, as much as we all would definitely feel less confident without a star, like Artemi Panarin on the roster come yeah. playoff time. Once you get into the first round, you never really know what happened. Exactly. I mean, we've seen Anything some upsets. Type deal. Yeah, like, uh, didn't the LA Kings win as an eight seed? Like They did. Yeah. And, and Once upon a time. Yeah, and, like, Nashville got to the finals as an eight seed mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, so if they did make those moves, they retooled a little bit. They could have a, they could be a team with more depth. They could have, you know, they, they would definitely have a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you never know what happens. Maybe they do get in, even if they do sell, and maybe they go farther than they ever have before. Honestly, like, the bar isn't, set all that high <laughs> that is true <laughs> and and then you know that that's short term but talking about the long term they still have a really damn good core mm-hmm. there are some good free agents out there and you know they have exciting guys coming in in elvis merzlikens and mm-hmm. you know gavrikov being another one uh you know who can kind of fill some of those holes that they're gonna end up having um you know they're, they're still gonna be competitive next year I, I think no matter what but if they can get reliable depth scoring and not just from free agency and be more than just a one line team as much mm-hmm. as you know, everyone loves to have that star player at the top. I, I think that's a better way to build the team for the future. And then, you know, obviously it is a good free agent class, but as Rob said in one of the previous segments on, on this very show, mm-hmm. a lot of those deals don't end up working well. Yeah. You, know, you, you want to have guys who are young and who have that, 
you know, that term or the ability for the team to have some term. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the reports today said that teams like Nashville and Boston are going to be in on Panarin. And, you know, if you can get like a, you know, Kevin Fiala or, you know, Jake DeBrusque and then like a late first rounder for Artemi Panarin. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's not what his value would be if he had an extension, but that's still a quality young top six player who can fill that hole who would be here for a long time, who's mm-hmm. cost controlled, and then a first round pick that has an abil- that has the ability to potentially do that same thing or be used in a trade to bring in another star. You know, I, I think knowing how young the core is, you can extend the window here. Like you don't have to mm-hmm. just go for all of it this year. No, it's it's a valid point, and I, I'm really really interested to see how they attack it. And uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, I enjoy watching hockey games, but this is probably the thing that I'm most excited about <laughs> more than anything is to see what they do at the trade deadline and how they proceed moving forward. Because I like the prognostication more than anything else, I think, at times. Yeah, I, I mean, can you imagine how much more crushing it would be if they did <laughs> swing for the fences and they got mm-hmm. someone like, you know, like a Matt Duchesne mm-hmm. or, you know, like a Kevin Hayes at the trade deadline and gave up like a lot of future assets yeah. and then had everyone walk at the end of the season? I mean, that, brutal. that would just be absolutely crushing even more so than last year being up to nothing was. Mm-hmm. so just knowing that it kind of makes the future a little bit bleak and I don't think the Blue Jackets are going anywhere but knowing that that's the shot that they're taking mm-hmm. and that just from an asset management perspective they could have a lot more value on that roster you know come next year mm-hmm. and, and the ability to build something up a little bit more mm-hmm. I mean it, it would just be crushing if they didn't make it then all right you're making me a little sad Go to take three. <laughs> take number two, staying on the note of sadness three. and despair. Oh, sorry. Take number three. Okay. Because we can't forget about Felino's favorite. <laughs> exactly. Um, Cannot. And again, going to be the contrarian here a little bit, but uh, I'm kind of fine with people choosing to boo Artemi Panarin. In, in you, certain, you go on. Bombshell <laughs> noise. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously he's within his rights to want to reach UFA. He's contributing to the team. Looks like his teammates like him a lot. Um, you know, there, there's no reason to be dissatisfied with what he's brought to the team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people don't think that he should be booed. Although there's another reason that people throw out there that I'm going to get to that I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything that's out there so far kind of suggests that he wants to play either in like a big city or mm-hmm. somewhere with a beach. And it's not coming from him, but it's out there. And, you know, it's not something that he would refute. Mm-hmm. But obviously without that, you know, without him going out there and saying that he would be able to resign in Columbus. Like mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't, you know, he obviously doesn't really have any interest in it. Um, it it's kind of clear just from that true or not that he thinks that he's too big for Columbus yeah. or that he feels like staying here would hold him back somehow for, you know, off ice opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, if he stays here, like this is, you know, if they move around some of the assets, if they bring in the right guys in free agency, you know, if they continue to run the team the way that it's been run the last few years, this mm. is a cup contender. Yeah. But he doesn't want part of that because he doesn't like the city, apparently. Mm. So knowing that this is still a market that's fighting for respect in the league and has great potential to be like a real hockey market, knowing that this is going to be a contending team if he's on it, knowing that it's still going to be a pretty good team if he's not on it, and seeing that there are plenty of guys who have signed long-term extensions here and mm-hmm. put down roots you know, I know uh, Rob mentioned Cam Atkinson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that uh, back a couple of years ago when Nick Felino was going to uh, unrestricted free agency, he may have left a little bit of money on the table mm-hmm. to stay here even. Um, you know, and whether or not he's lived up to that deal, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of a different thing. Yeah. But, you know, because he hasn't sustained that same level of production, but I, I digress. 
rather than being part of that and helping to build something special here with the guys mm. in the room that he very clearly likes and who like him back, he wants to, again, allegedly live somewhere that's a little bit more glamorous. Mm. And he's, you know, he's within his rights to do that. But, you know, whether it's Artemi Panarin's fault or not, the fans have been getting some false hope that he would stay. Mm. And knowing that, again, contending team, fun market, at least for the people who live here, a team that he likes, knowing that it's not about the money at all, mm-hmm. when the Blue Jackets can not only offer the chance to win a Stanley Cup and more money than anyone else mm-hmm. and more term than anyone else, that's pretty upsetting for Blue Jackets mm-hmm. fans. And, you know, it, again, like it's, uh, you know, it's kind of up to the individual whether or not they think that booing is you know, what they want to do. But I don't think there's a great argument against, you know, I don't think there's a great argument to say people shouldn't be able to boo. And to bring up an absolutely mm-hmm. terrible parallel here, because mm-hmm. I know you're a, a big time movie boy over there, Sam Blazer. Big time movie boy. And this is, I don't think that good of a movie, but it's the first example <laughs> that came to mind. And it's a poster that's on like every frat boys like wall and they completely mm-hmm. misinterpret the point of the movie. But it's like in Wolf of Wall Street, where he's treating the city of Columbus like it's uh, Kristen Milioti's character, and he's out there looking for his Margot Robbie. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. Some, but I, here's the question that I have for you. Do you resent Panarin a little bit because he uh, is doing the reverse Kyle Morrison? He's going from Florida to Ohio. <laughs> or you went from Florida to Ohio. He's I, going from Ohio to Florida. I think he's going to end up back in Chicago, but that's just me throwing, you know, throwing stuff at the wall. Um you know, not no insight there for me, but no, I, I think that I, just, I said that mostly to get a rise out yeah, of you and yeah. see what you'd say. No, like you, you guys give me so much crap for bringing up Florida and slack. Cause there's a lot of players on that roster that I think would well, be guess great what? in a Blue Jackets uniform. Uh, but Elliot Friedman, 31 thoughts said Florida is a low key team for both, uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky. I think so. they had such a bad start to the season though, that they're just going to mm-hmm. wait until both guys hit free agency. If they were in it, I mean, that would be, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to get too far into it, but <laughs> if they weren't like, you know, light years out of the playoff race right now, that would be such a good fit. I mm-hmm. think because they have prospects, you could mm-hmm. package them both, retain salary, bring back a guy like mm-hmm. Huberto or something, maybe a good prospect. Make, they have make a lot it happen. Of them. Yeah, no, definitely. But anyway, I, I think that, you know, all that stuff I was talking about before and feeling like Kristen Milioti, who by the way, <laughs> seems like a lovely person, mm-hmm. but feeling like her character in Wolf of Wall Street did. Um, I, I think those are totally understandable feelings to have. Mm-hmm. And hey, if you're shelling out for a ticket, like you can express that and you should be able to express that feeling mm-hmm. however you want to. Personally, if I was shelling out for a ticket, despite sharing a lot of that, a lot of those opinions that I just mentioned, I wouldn't go so far as to boo him. Um, also, I don't drink that much at hockey games, mm. so maybe that's part of it. But <laughs> um, I, I'd be more of like a begrudgingly watching and appreciating how good he mm. is while also just like waiting and hoping for death's sweet embrace. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's just that's kind of my view on it. I, I'm not someone who would boo him, but I don't blame anyone who would. No, exactly. I, I It wouldn't be me. That's what I said yesterday via tweet. I said, you yeah. know, I don't think I could boo Artemi Panarin, but, you know, if that's your thing, then, you know, good for you. And I can completely get why the, betra- the betrayal fee. Yeah. Feeling. Oh, and, the, and previously mentioned that second rationale for people not booing mm-hmm. Artemi Panarin, saying don't boo him. That means he'll for sure leave us mm-hmm. like my guy. You are not reading the room right yeah. now. Um, it's not like he's going to be like, oh, well, they're booing me now. They're going to keep booing me if I sign here. <laughs> yeah. No, it has no impact on anything. Mm. Come on. Very true. Very true. It's it's like the most hilarious, sad thing I've ever read, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that Sh- you think. Should I have like a happy take to end things here? No, no. I, we, you don't get an extra bonus for life. Take. Is, life this, is, this is just a long despair. episode already. Come on. Yeah, Come that's on. fair. Eat at Arby's. <laughs> you can uh, find matters. The, <laughs> you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, pretty much anywhere uh, podcasts are found. Rate, comment, subscribe. It helps us out a whole lot. Um, appreciate everybody for listening, and we appreciate everybody that came on today. Uh, until next time, remember. Everything I told you is true.